Welcome back to the Bet Pro Golf DFS show here at none other than BetsProsGolf.com. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle. And for today's two-man show, a pick-and-roll podcast, he is PGA Splits 101 on Twitter, none other than the great Ron Kloss. Ron, how are you feeling fresh off of a major? Yeah, I mean, a little bit of a, you know, hangover, I guess, uh, coming off that major. And you know what the end of major season signals every year, right, John? The end of golf, basically? Uh, uh, football is in the air. So, um, you know, we've got the 3M, we've got Wyndham, we've got the playoffs, and then, yeah, pretty much golf season is over. You know, we have a handful of, of events in the fall, the Ryder Cup, obviously. Um, and then next year, it's just really crazy because it's, it's kind of like the entire future of golf is kind of in the balance. You know, there's no schedule even out yet for, for next year. And so hmm. really interesting to see you know, what happens uh, with the whole live PGA tour and and how that all comes together. Well, a lot to get to in the short term, because this week is a fun field of players for the 3M open. And I've read through your course preview available for everyone for free on the site. What do you think are some key takeaways and what we should be targeting at this course for DFS lineups? Yes, I mean, first of all, just on the course really quick, you know, it's not your typical Parkland course. You have 27 different bodies of water that are kind of spread throughout the property. Looks more like a Florida course than it does one up north in Minnesota. Um, You know, so par 71, 7,431 yards, so pretty long. Um, It's pretty flat, features bent grass, fairways, and greens. And it has one of the highest birdie rates on tour, but it also has one of the highest double bogey or worse rates. And that is, of course, because of the 13 holes that have water danger. And actually, last year, the course played uh, 0.44 strokes over par because the course was firmer and there were gusty winds kind of up to 20 miles per hour each round. So just a little background there. And then, yeah, like you said, um, you know, with this being the 10th longest course on tour, combined with the premium that is placed on accuracy off the tee, thanks to nine holes that have water trouble off the tee, kind of landing zones. Uh, you know, players that are strong and total driving are going to have a huge edge this week. And that's kind of evidenced by, you know, you look at some of the past winners here, you know, Tony Fino last year, Cameron Champ, even going back to Matthew Wolf, the first year of this event, you know, all three of those guys, you know, really strong off the tee. And so when you throw in kind of the importance of gaining strokes on approach, you know, TPC Twin Cities rates as one of the most ball striking heavy courses on tour with 59% of total strokes gained coming in that category. And, uh, you know, also of note, the temperatures in Minnesota have been scorching hot, uh, but they did get almost two inches of rain last night. And so the course is playing very soft. And so it looks like it might be more gettable than it was last year. Are you prioritizing distance? As you mentioned, we both want accuracy off the tee, especially for a water-laden course. But in my DFS model on the site, I have a lot of players popping who are accurate but not power hitters. Do you think the length of this course will actually benefit distance hitters? Yeah, I think I think you're always looking for both. I think the total driving stat is, you know, the key one where it kind of takes that average of accuracy and distance. And, you know, there's not many players who are strong at both. Like you have Cameron Young, you have Ludwig Aberg, um, and you have a few others maybe, but it's hard to find players strong on both. And so I think accuracy for me, I weighted it. If you're if you're looking at those two, accuracy about sixty-five percent, distance about thirty-five. So definitely favoring accuracy. Okay, that's good to know before we dive in. So with that being said, let's jump in 
to these tiers of players on DraftKings. And at the top, only four players in the five-digit salary range. Cameron Young, 10-9, leading the field. Tony Finau, 10-6. Sung JM at 10-3. And Hideki Matsuyama, 10K. I think right now, Tony Finau will be the highest rostered of these four. But your thoughts and anyone stand out of this tier. Yeah, so, and just, I was thinking about this before the show, like, just just a little strategy thought. So, you know, this week, to me, is a perfect example of a wide-open tournament just because of the volatility and the variance with the water. Um, you know, anytime a course has an easy hit rate of both fairways and greens, you know, the gap between the best and worst players kind of gets shrunk because everybody's in fairways, everybody's in greens. You combine this with the, the field being weaker, and then you have this water danger, and you kind of have the perfect setup for some extreme randomness. And kind of what I love about this DraftKings slate this week is there's so there's so much boomer bust potential with so many of these players. And so, for example, you know, like you said with Tony Fino, you could start a lineup with Tony Fino and then you could have Justin Thomas and Tom Hoagie and go with those three as a core. I mean, those three have so much win equity, enormous upside, yet their ownership right now. And I'm seeing Tony Fino at only 13%, so I think he might be a little oh, overall okay. than, than people expect. But if you just had Fino, JT, and Hoagie, that's 28% ownership. I mean, those, I mean, that's enormous leverage along with upside. So, you know, another thing is you could bottom out your lineups with that same type of upside. So, for example, we'll, we'll get to these guys, but you take an Adam Svensson, Sam Bennett, Davis Thompson, who are in that lower 7K range, and you could, again, acquire that upside from the bottom of your lineup as well. So this week is kind of all about finding that upside for me. And so, you know, I think there's some chalky guys up here, you know, especially in that upper 9K range that I'm going to be taking more of a stand on this week because, you know, anybody can have a blow up hole on this course and, you know, you could have a triple bogey and you could be, you know, just on the edge of making the cut, you know, right from the start. So, um, but yeah, getting back to the top here, um, Cam Young is my play this week. I think when you look at kind of, he had this two month period where he struggled between April and June. But he has kind of emerged here back into the ball striking, you know, dominant off the tee, you know, savant that we saw him kind of last year rise to the top 15 player in the world. You know, you look at last week, even at the Open, where he gained a staggering almost 17 strokes ball striking last week. Week before that, you know, he uh, or is it a tournament before that he finished sixth at the John Deere. And so he switched balls back to the, you know, the golf ball that he used last year where he had all this, this success. And I don't think that's a coincidence either. And so, you know, getting back to the whole total driving, you know, when you look at his combination of accuracy and distance, you know, I think he's a perfect fit to kind of combat the water hazards that are here at TPC in Twin City. So he's the guy that I feel the most comfortable with up top. Um, I will play Fina, like I said, just because of the upside. Um, I know another angle this week is motivation, you know, not only do you have FedEx Cup points on the line, but with a guy like Fino, you know, he's got the motivation trying to make a Ryder Cup team. So, you know, it's always hard to, to measure, you know, how much motivation, how much you can actually weigh that into a model or whether you're going to play guys or not. But I don't, you know, I don't see, you know, Tony Fino missed the cut in Detroit. You know, I don't see that happening, you know, again this week, especially coming off a missed cut at the Open. So, you know, he knows it's time to turn it around. And I think he's very comfortable in this environment here in Minnesota. This is where he turned it around last uh, last year. Um, and then I think Sung JM is kind of the safer play up here. You know, he's also kind of emerging from some struggles. Um, he's trending back upwards. You know, he finished 20th at the Open last week. You know, he's got three top 30s in his last four. His irons are back. He also has 
course history here. You know, he's got a 15th and a second on this course. You know, he's always strong off the tee, and he kind of brings consistency with the upside um, of winning this week. And so, you know, if I had to rank these guys up here, I'm going Young number one, Sung Jm number two, Fino three, and I will be completely fading Hideki here. Um, I just don't know what he has to gain by being here, you know, coming across overseas, you know, back to America after, after last week, you know, we had a good finish at the open, but you know, 19% ownership, you know, at, at 10 K, I just don't see him finishing, you know, he's going to have to finish top five, you know, to pay off that price. So he's going to be a pass for me this week. It is possible to get both Cam Young and Tony Finau in your lineups as well. You have to fade the 9K and 8K range, but I've tinkered with some lineups. You can do it, especially as we point out some lower 7K players we are both on in this wide open field. Moving on to the 9K range, you've already talked about a handful of them, but we have Emilio Grillo at 9.7, Emiliano Grillo at 9.7, Sepp Straka on a heater at 9.5, Aberg 9.4, Justin Thomas 9.3, Gary Woodland 9.2, and Stefan Yeager at 9.1, and Cam Davis 9K. So what are you doing here in the 9K range? And let's start with Justin Thomas since you already mentioned him at the top. Yeah, there's there's so many reasons not to play him. Like you could make a list full, but for me, I, I see single digit ownership. You know, right around nine percent, ten percent, maybe getting up there. But you know, for me, it, this is solely a play. You know, kind of on pedigree, upside. Even looking at the the FedEx Cup point. For, I mean, forget about the Ryder Cup he's trying to make. You know, he's not even in the FedEx Cup playoffs yet, and so. You know, he's kind of grinding here away at all these courses he's never played before. You know, he had a really good second round in Detroit after a horrible first round. Kind of the same thing happened at the uh, at the Open where he had a horrible first round, you know, shot in the 80s, and then he comes back, actually shot under par um, in the second round. And so I don't think – and I kind of agree with him in his press conference. I don't think he's that far off. I think he's just making some silly mistakes. Um, I think um, his around the green play, which is usually tremendous – you know, has kind of struggled, you know, recently. And so, you know, I think at 9,300, you know, when he's surrounded by, you know, even just below him, you know, Gary Woodlands, you know, Steven Yeager, I mean, they're not in the same class as him. And so for me, you know, that's enough for me to play him. Um, if, you know, if he's going 10%, you know, I'll try to double the field and get up to 20. You know, I know it's risky. I know it, it leaves a sour taste in a lot of people's mouth who are staying far away from him, but, I just think the leverage opportunity to play him is too strong this week. Um, I'm fading two guys on the top of this range. Um, I think Grio and Straka, when both of these guys are approaching 19%, um, you know, Grio is the one who I may sneak in a few lineups just with kind of my core, just to cover my bases because he has really turned it around with the putter. Um, everybody kind of knows he's one of the best ball strikers in the world, uh, but he really has gotten hot with the putter and looks like he's fixed some things in that area. And he's got amazing course history here, you know, with, with a couple, you know, top fives. Um, Strzok is a guy who I just think, like you said, he's on a heater for sure, you know, with the first and the second. Um, but I just think coming back overseas from England, um, you know, back here to America, I just think, you know, when you're in contention and, and two last two events, like you're going to hit a wall eventually, you know, you just can't keep up that pace. And, and he's not a guy who has a consistent history either. And so, you know, I, I definitely could stay on the heater, but when we're talking ownership that high, 
when he's priced above some other guys, like, you know, I'll get to Aberg here, but I just think for me, this is a week I'm going to take a couple stands and, and Grillo and Straka are, are two of those that I'm going to fade. But, but yeah, Aberg is a guy who, you know, if you look at his young history, he's already one of the best players off the team on tour. Mm-hmm. You know, his distance, his accuracy, his total driving, and he's shown he can gain strokes in all four areas. Um, you know, so I'm going to look past his miscut at the Scottish Open, which was his kind of the first miscut he's had this year. Uh, finished fourth at the John Deere. And I just think the upside he brings to this course um, off the tee, you know, I don't have any concerns about him, you know, with water balls or any of that stuff. Um, he's just so steady. So, um, yeah, for me, it's, it's Aberg, it's Thomas. Um, and I'll drop down. Um, Cam Davis is another guy who I think coming in uh, 13% right now. I think this is his type of course. He plays very well in the Midwest. You know, he's typically strong distance-wise. The water scares me a little bit with him because he can get wild at times. But I just think Cam Davis has more upside than, than a Woodland or a Jaeger, even a Hadwin below him, you know. And so, again, like I said, I'm all about upside this week, and I think uh, Cam Davis would be my, my third favorite play in the 9K range. And you don't think Aberg catches a lot of ownership because that's oh, my yeah. concern with him. Yeah, no, Aberg is up there. I see him right 19 20%. But again, if I'm playing him with JT, if I'm playing him with the Cam Davis, even if I'm pairing Fina with Aber, you know, that's already bringing my ownership down. And there's a bunch of plays kind of in the 7K range that are, are pretty long as well that I'm going to pair them with. So um, I think, again, we've talked about this before, but Aberg is, is an example of good chalk this week. Okay, so keep that in mind. Anyone listening, getting unique around Aberg, who is a good play, but will be high rostered. Moving on to the 8Ks, curious who stands out to you. Adam Hadwin at 8-9, JJ Spawn, 8-8, eight, eight. Uh, Thee Gala, 8-7, Keith Mitchell, 8-6, Patrick Rogers back in our lives at 8-5, JT Poston, 8-4, Mark Hubbard, 8-3, Lucas Glover, who will absolutely be high rostered at 8-2, Vincent Norman, 8-1, and Bo Hostler, 8K. Yeah, that... Um... That lower 8K range is, is very popular. I mean, when you look at, you know, a Hubbard and a Glover, even Vincent Norman's getting up there. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm focusing a little bit more on the on the top part here. So Adam Hadwin, I think, who's right around 14%, 15 um, I think he's one of the safer plays on the board. Um, and so he might be one who I, I do seek a little bit of safety in because I do think he could have been priced much higher. Um, he's a guy who typically keeps the ball in the fairway. He's gained on approach in five straight starts. Uh, you know, he was just runner-up at the Rocket Mortgage. He has the second-best course history here with, with two top six finishes. So I think Hadwin's a really good, uh, safe play at that, you know, eight you know, upper 8K range. Um, and then I'm dropping down a little bit to Keith Mitchell, um, who's a guy who I think, you know, has, has struggled recently. But for me, what I look at with Keith Mitchell is he's, he's still a top five off the tee player in the world. Like, that's his thing. Um, is, you know, I think he's first or second. I don't know. He might have dropped a little bit um, because at this point in the year, but he's typically in the top five total driving. Um, and I think, honestly, he's the most talented player in this range. You know, he was just 20th at the U.S. Open, you know, coming in at 8% ownership. So I really love Keith Mitchell this week, you know, uh, kind of banking on the fact that, you know, he kind of turns it around this week. Um, some interest in Patrick Rogers, you know, just finished runner-up last week. Uh, probably should have won that event at the Barracuda. Uh, but he's another guy, strong off the tee, streaky putter, can get really hot on the greens. Um, so you got these two guys, Mitchell and Rogers, here right in the middle who, you know, are both right around 8%. So, you know, that's what I'm leaning towards. And then um, 
going down to the bottom, um, nobody really excites me down here. You know, I'm not going to ever play Mark Hubbard at 8,300. He's a safe play, but again, if I'm looking for upside, I'm not going to get much upside from Mark Hubbard. And Lucas Glover does, obviously, I'm really impressed. You know, he's probably the hottest player coming in with, I think he's got three top sixes in a row. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, 19 20%, uh, I can't play Lucas Glover because as, as much as he's gotten better with his putter, like, you just never know when that's going to, you know, raise his ugly head again. And so um, I'd like to see it a little bit more from Glover before I start playing him at, you know, 20%. And it is only three, four tournaments ever since he changed his putter um, that he got hot. And, yes, I agree with you because he stands out in my model as well. But – even in higher stakes, I think his ownership gets higher. I think I think we're talking like twenty five percent and and mid to high stakes single entry. So I just don't think you can play him honestly into that kind of ownership at a wide open field. So I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, in, anyone else that you would fade in this eight K tier outside of Glover? Yeah, I mean, like you said, like. Um... You know, definitely fading Hubbard. Um, I think JT Poston typically doesn't play well the week after a major. That was something I saw in my, you know, week after major data. Uh, data. Um, I think the Gala is just a little too wild off the tee for a place like this. He's also missed both cuts um, at this event. Um, I think JJ Spawn is interesting just because, you know, off the tee is his strong suit. But again, when, when I see JJ Spawn priced more than a Keith Mitchell, than a Patrick Rogers, um, it's just hard for me to go up to him at that price. So uh, for me, like it's, it's pretty much had when Mitchell Rogers and that's about it. Moving on to seven K's, we will chop it in half. Cause I want to make sure we touch on all of them just in case people do want to play two 10 K players to get unique. And that starts the top with Aaron Rye, 7'9", uh, Nikolai Hodgegaard at 7'9", Eric Cole, 7'8", Taylor Pendrith, 7'8", Alex Noren, 7'7", Ryan Fox, 7'6", Cam Champ, 7'6", John Suh, 7'6", Tom Hoagie, 7'5", Zayden Hoot, Matt Kuchar, and Austin Eckroat also sitting at 7'5". Your initial thoughts at the top there. Yeah, this this whole seven K range is absolutely loaded this week. Mm -hmm. Like, I think with this weaker field, like I'm not saying I would do this, but I mean because you'd have so much salary left over, but you could you could literally make a, a lineup of six guys just right here. That's I think there's enough upside uh, consistency that you could do something like that. But like just at the top, like Aaron Rye, and, and there's some guys. I mean, when we get to Rye, Eric Cole, very popular. So um, you know, I think. Getting unique up top, mixing these guys with with the Tony Fino, um, with the Justin Thomas. I think that's ways to get different. But I'm definitely playing Rye. You know, he finished fifth overall in my model this week. Still searching for his first PJ Tour victory, but again, he has two recent top tens. He's gained over six and a half strokes on approach in three of his last six starts. Um, he ranks as the fourth best tee to green player in this entire field over the past 36 starts. And his weakness, putting, he's actually gained putting in three of his last four. So I think his pinpoint accuracy off the tee is what kind of bodes really well for his chances to contend this week. Um, you drop down here to Eric Cole, 7,800. You know, week in and week out, he continues to pop in pretty much every model that I've run. Um, this week he finished eighth overall 
and he has struggled a bit off the tee. Now, a lot of that is distance-wise. He's, he's not a long player. Struggled a little bit with accuracy, too, which does scare me a little bit. But if you look at his best finish ever on tour, he finished runner-up at PGA National, which is very similar to this course because of all the water holes. Um, and, again, if you look at him from fairway to hole, so approach, around the green, putting, he's the best player in this entire field if you take away off the tee. So, um, you know, his irons have kind of stayed hot all year. He's one of the most consistent putters on tour. Um, so, you know, he's another guy who's, who's popular, 16%. Um, but I think uh, just excellent value. He easily could have been priced in the AK range. Um, I think Taylor Pendrith is interesting at 7,800. Is another guy with kind of extreme upside. He always seems to play better in the summertime down the stretch. Um, he's got consecutive top 15s coming in here. He's gained eight strokes ball striking in both of those starts. Uh, very streaky putter, loves bent grass. Um, going down the board here, I think Justin Suh. Um, maybe his upside might be limited a little bit, but he is just a consistent cup maker. He's always in the running. Um, probably maybe the best putter in this field. Um, I think Ryan Fox, you just keep going down this list here. Um, I think he could have been priced in the AK range. His tendency to get wild off the tee um, is, is what's going to have me playing him less than I'd like to just because of, you know, that's one thing he does struggle with a little bit. Um, but his just his overall consistency, whether he's playing on the DP World Tour, whether he's playing in a major, you know, made another cut at the Open last week. Um, Cameron Champ, 7,600. Like, talk about boom and bust. Like, he's struggled so much this year on tour. But he's made his last two cuts. And, of course, he won here two years ago. He finished 16th here last year. And when we're talking Cameron Champ, you know, as much as he struggles, approach, around the green, putting at times, like off the tee is his strength. One of the longest players on tour, one of the most accurate players off the tee. So I think just based on that alone, you know, when I see him coming at 6 7%, um, you know, I'm definitely going to try to get a little bit higher than that. And then, like, Austin Ekro, like, he's kind of in the midst of the best stretch of his career. He's got eight made cuts in his last nine starts, including two top tens. Top five ball striker in this field. You know, very consistent off the tee. And another intriguing thing about him is that his home course in Oklahoma, it's called Oak Tree National. When I looked it up, um, it's very similar to TPC Twin Cities. There's water everywhere. It's a P-Die course. There's all these risk-reward holes. And so, you know, he's played here at TPC Twin Cities once. He finished 16th um, back in 2021. And so I think he's going to be very comfortable here just because of those similarities. Um, and then I'll finish with, with our, our guy, Tom Hoagie, you know, sitting down here in the mid-7K range once again. Um, you know, finished fourth here last year. Showed a little bit of life overseas, um, making the cut. I believe he made the cut at the Scottish Open. Um, but I just think he's a guy who, as much as he struggled recently, again, coming in at 5% right now, like he's still a top 50 player in the world. Um, and so, again, he's a guy I'm willing to take a risk on with his irons getting hot, with his putter getting hot. And again, he's a Midwest guy, you know, from North Dakota. And so, you know, I think that's another narrative this week. You know, some of these guys that just tend to play well in these Northern courses. Um, so I think he's a guy with extreme upside this week. As we get into the bottom half of the 7K range, this is where I get really intrigued because I think the only player we are really worried about in terms of catching a lot of ownership would be Doug Gimmett 7-4. Otherwise, 
I like sprinkling in a lot of these guys. Uh, I think Peter Quest actually has win equity, unless you are trying to talk me out of it otherwise, because just to be over the last six months, eighth in this field in strokes gains off the tee and number one in both bogey avoidance, which is important for skipping out on those three putt opportunities at this course, and also number one in driving distance in that span as well. His peripherals really match what I think we're looking for here um, at this course. So love Quest at 7-4. Uh, I'm all over Kevin Yu at 7-1. Also top 12 in driving distance among this field. But in terms of good drive percentage, uh, 16th over the last six months as well. Sixth in strokes gained off the tee off that time. So again, another terrific distance hitter. Um, with this driver and then MJ Defue also pops for me as a just a good putter as well um, in terms of greens and regulation from the rough just in case he is a little wobbly he's 12th in this field in the last 50 rounds for that and 12th in strokes gained putting so those are three players at least for me in the lower 7ks that I think I'll have a lot of around Doug Gim instead of Doug Gim. What about you? Yeah, so just talking about ownership, the two highest guys down here, like you said, um, Doug Gim coming in at 13%. And I have Ches Reedy at 12% also because he hmm. has been really consistent lately. Um, he's a fairway finder. He's not going to find the water. Um, so, yeah, I think Reedy is an interesting play. Reedy is someone who I will play just kind of looking for that safety kind of as kind of the last guy in my lineup type of player. Um, I'm out on Doug Gim. Now Gim has been on a pretty impressive stretch lately, but again, when I, when I see him getting up to 13% and I see an Adam Svensson, who's my favorite player in this range right there at 7,400, who's coming in at 5%, who's actually one on tour this year. Um, and so, yeah, with Svensson, you know, I think he's got the winning upside. He's another guy, and that's kind of another narrative, guys who have been struggling but who are kind of trending up over the last couple of starts that they played. So finished 21st at John Deere where he gained in all four areas. And, again, you look at some some course comps for TPC Twin Cities, you know, again, PGA National, Svensson finished ninth there. TPC Sawgrass, another course with tons of water. Svensson was 13th there. So kind of these water-intensive courses, he ranked pretty high in my water danger um, rankings that I put together. And again, he's another guy who's really good off the tee, streaky putter. And those are the kind of, you know, two of the things I'm also looking for this week. So Peter quest just um, to cover him. Now I, I did look at him and initially, you know, you would think, you know, you know, fourth at the rocket mortgage and he's 17th at the John Deere. But then we have these two alternate events and this is what took me off of him. Mm -hmm. He got missed the cut at the Barbasol and then at the Barracuda, which again, many people didn't follow last week. He finished 59th and it was a very weak field. And so, you know, when I see a guy like this who had a really good stretch, really under the radar, and then now people are, are you know, kind of playing him more. And I see him maybe dropping these last two events, struggling a little bit, maybe coming back to earth. So that was, that's kind of what I uh, threw me off him. So, so you know, you I think you would definitely play Spenson over, uh, over quest in a vacuum yes for sure okay. and um just just because you know when you when you see back-to-back -back starts like that that's a red flag to me um, especially in, in such a weak field and so you're coming in you're, you're throwing some water into the mix this week um he's played this course once before a couple of years ago missed the cut so yeah and then i even like eric Higo more too because 
you know, with Higo right at 7,400, driver is his best weapon, which, of course, matters here. He's another guy who's trending back upwards. He's got three straight top 35s. He kind of thrives on these easier courses. And so I like Higo at 7,400. I think Lee Hodges might be the most under-the-radar player in this entire range, though. Um, got four top 30s in his last six. Finished 12th at the Scottish. Um, he's gained ball striking in eight of his last 12 events. Also, his putter is improving. So I think Lee Hodges is a guy to kind of watch for here, you know, as we get into the latter part of the year. Even moving into next year is a guy who I think is going to make a jump. Um, and then kind of going down, like there's there's so many guys, like you said, you could very easily sprinkle. Um, I think Sam Bennett sitting right there again, only 7,200. What's the thing Sam Bennett does best? He finds fairways. You know, he's not really long, but he's really accurate off the tee. And again, if you're just, if you can just find the fairway, you're going to at least be in position to have success here. You're not going to worry about the double bogeys, you know, or the bogeys from, from the ball going into the water. And so I think that alone, along with his upside coming in at three, 4%, I mean, sign me up for, for Sam Bennett all day. Um, and then you got a couple more interesting plays down here. You got, you know, Kevin Yu has kind of been another boomer bus guy. You know, he's either finishing top 10 or he's missing the cut, which again, we're talking this low range. You know, I'm going to take some chances on guys here like that. And then you look right next to him at Ben Griffin, more of a safe play. Uh, showed some signs of life um, recently. You know, played decent overseas. He barely missed the cut um, at the Scottish Open. Uh, but I think he's a guy who was shown earlier in the year. You know, he played really good in elevated events. Um, and so um, I like Ben Griffin. And then Davis Thompson is a guy who 7,100. Um, we saw what he did earlier in the year at the Amex when he went head-to-head with John Rahm, finished runner-up. His strength off the tee combined with the streaky putter. You know, he finished the last two events, two straight made cuts, 24th at the Rocket, 31st at John Deere. He eats up the par fives. Um, and so I really like Davis Thompson kind of as a scorer who has enormous upside, I think. Maybe not to win, but top 10, top 20. Um, I really like him at 7,100. And... Honestly, like there's a few guys we'll get to here in the 6K that I'll, I'll bring up, but he's kind of the bottom for me here. And I don't think you need to get much lower just because there's so many guys here in the 7K range that you can you can kind of spread it around and load up on. And more importantly, pivot off of Doug Gim just to make sure we avoid that ownership. Uh, I actually, as you talk about the 6Ks, I only have one play that stands out to me, honestly, and it's CT Pan. Um, I don't know his ownership at 6,900, and he's not distance. But if we are avoiding distance and just trying to factor in uh, play from both off the tee and the fairway, again, last six months, 14th in this field and good drive percentage. So the rate of ball within inches of the fairway, but then also making par, saving par from it. And then as you wrote in your preview, 46% of shots come from roughly 175 yards out. And he's been 34th in this field in a proximity to the hole from 150 to 175. So if you're not looking for distance, if you're willing to sacrifice that stat, uh, I think CT Pan's a good play. But who else is 6K for you? Yeah, Pan does have the highest ownership. It's not high, high, but, you know, 7%. So, yeah, people are seeing that in Pan, his accurate accuracy. Um, so for me, um, so the few guys, I think Carson Young, 6,800, he continues to, you know, finish top 40, you know, making cuts, which is, again, all you need down here. I think he does have a little bit of upside as well. Ryan Gerard has really started to turn it on. He's also 6,800. He's made five of his last six cuts. 
He just finished fifth at the Barracuda. He's really strong on approach. I think Joel Damon is another guy, a perfect example of a guy who has upside, a guy who's been playing pretty bad. But, again, you look, Joel Damon just finished, uh, I believe, 10th at the Barracuda. So kind of down here you're trying to grasp onto anything you can. And, you know, we know Joel Damon has that upside. Um, for whatever reason, he's had a really bad year. Um, but I think there's always that hope that maybe this, you know, is the, the week that he can turn it around. And so uh, at this low of a price, I'm willing to take that chance on a guy like him. Pat Kazire, who has another guy who's really struggled, um, has missed a lot of cuts recently, played here four times. He's made all four cuts. So that's what I'm looking at this week. And I think he's a guy who does have, you know, some really good scoring upside as well. Um, but outside of that, like, there's a few cases I can make for, you know, an Eric Von Royen, who's 6,600. Um, of course, the story is going around with his his caddy actually qualified into the field this week. But Von Royen, he's, he's played this course maybe more than anyone. He's a local product from the University of Minnesota. Um, and so, you know, he's interesting to maybe a dart throw. Bryce Garnett actually has top five course history here, 6,500. Um, so he's a guy who I'll throw in a few lineups. Uh, Kevin Roy. Um, he mm-hmm. plays on these waterlogged courses all the time uh, near his home course in Florida. Um, he's one of the best approach players in this field, actually. So I think he's interesting. And, and I'll leave you with this. Okay. 6,100. Guy has made eight cuts in a row. Soon you'll know. And soon you'll know that he will be in plenty of my lineups because I think at 6,100, he's a safe play. Um, I, I would have priced him closer to 68, 69. Um, I think he's not going to get you anywhere near the top 20, but I just think if you're, you're just looking, you want to stack five guys, you know, in the eight, nine K range, you want to build a bunch of upside and you're looking for that one guy who could get you just made the cut. I think some, you'll know at 6,100, I think he kind of presents that safety and um, at 6,100, you can't beat that price. It can't be any worse than Byron and I both playing Ernie L's last week after he was 10 over after day two. Uh, so yeah, I like the strategy to dip down that bar. Okay, let's end with your favorite way to play this week, your favorite strategy and how you want to build lineups, whether it be, for me, for instance, two 10K players. That's how I want to get unique here. And then dipping to the lower 7Ks not Doug Gim and, and six K's. Um, so your favorite way to play and then your two flag plants under eight K. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to be using different strategies this week. I think it is very viable though, to go with two guys from the top. You know, I, I can see, you know, Cameron Young, Sung JM, but, but what I probably will do even more so is pair one of those top guys with either an Aberg or a Thomas. You know, having Aberg and Thomas be my second guy in the lineup uh, because that that leaves you with kind of that mid to upper 7K range, and you could really spread it around from there. Um, and you can get a little. To around 15. Um, but yeah, that's that's something I like to do, even throw on Keith Mitchell. So there's different ways I'm going to go about that. Um, but as far as under 8K, um, if we're looking at trying to avoid ownership, just strictly upside, I think Tom Hoagie, 75, you know, I'm willing to take that chance 
in this week, you know, and just hope and pray that, you know, he actually doesn't find the water and he hits his irons like he's capable of. Um, and then if you're looking for a guy who's maybe a little more chalky, um, I think, I think Akro's the guy for me, you know, right at that mid seven K range. Um, just his, you know, has a good finish here already. Um, I think the course fits his eye based on his home course in Oklahoma. I think he's been playing really well. Um, and so um, he would be my other guy here. I like Byron's fellow South African MJ Defue and Kevin Yu as my two favorite players. But I will also have a lot of Sam Bennett, as you mentioned. And I think you talked me on to Adam Svensson. I know I, I know I made the question two players, but I think I really like that core group around Gem. And finally, what is your favorite bet for the 3M Open? Um, I would have to go with, I think, I think Ludwig Aberg has just great upside this week. And so I, I got a couple days ago, top 30, um, which, you know, is more of a safe play. I probably could have taken a top 20 easily, but, uh, plus 100, you know, you can still get plus money for a top 30 off Aberg. So I like him. And, and even just, you know, going down like Eric Cole, top 40 plus 105. So I'm a little more conservative when it comes to those, just trying to play it a little safer. Um, but yeah, I could easily see. Both of those guys finishing top 10, top 20, if you want to get a little more aggressive. As Ryan Noonan pointed out for free on the site for everyone, his FanDuel finishing position parlay, Sung JM and Sepp Straka, both who we talked about, T40 at FanDuel together for plus 122. You can read the rest of his outrights on the site. What else do you have, everyone, before lineup locks in the morning coming out? Yeah, so we have our typical um, office hours coming up here at 4.30, so in about 20 minutes. Uh, so if you have any other DraftKings betting questions, um, yeah, uh, feel free to join that. If you're in the Discord, um, uh, ownership for DraftKings will be posted here in the next hour. Um, and uh, first-round leader, all the other stuff. Um, so, yep, uh, looking forward to not having to stay up all night and uh, getting some sleep this week, finally. Although it was fun, it was a very tiring weekend. I agree. Uh, and my DFS model already created with all the rankings on the site for everyone. If you want to parse through that tool and see which stats I believe matter most for this course, for DFS anyways, as well. So until next week, we're all back together. Byron will be back from vacation and biking thousands of miles. Remember, be a little bit kinder than what's required. We'll see you then.